Hey, it's been a few minutes or weeks. I don't really tell. It's been quite a hectic couple of weeks. So apologies for being off schedule. Uh, I had some stuff happen in life, and then life just kept on going, as it does. But I think from here on out, we should be smooth sailing up until the summer. So the plan for the next few weeks, obviously we'll be talking a little bit about the draft next week. And we'll be doing our 6-1 through one top quarterback rankings debate. Uh, preview the draft somewhat. Again, I'm not a big draft expert, so don't expect a whole lot from me. We'll definitely talk about the draft once it's over and kind of debate on which teams filled their needs, at least at surface value. Um, and then besides that, NFL is going to be slowing down for a while, so we might be shifting fully to basketball, which I'm excited for. I've gotten into basketball a whole lot the last several years, and it's been a crazy ride so far. Uh, obviously, the Suns going up 2-1. to one. Got the Warriors finally winning a game. The Lakers losing to the Grizzlies. Now they're only up 2-1. to one. It's going to be an exciting NBA playoffs, and it already has been. It's been my favorite NBA playoffs since... I've started following uh, like four or five years ago. Uh, so look forward to that. And then come the end of the NBA playoffs, I think around mid-June, we'll be taking a summer break. Uh, I'll have a couple of episodes pre-recorded ready to release for that time period. But uh, we will be picking it back up in August with the NFL season preview. It's crazy to think that August is only a few short months away. But that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and apologies for any technical difficulties. Had some interesting time recording this specific podcast, but should be all smoothed out from here on. And, uh, yeah, well, hope you guys enjoy the show, and I'll speak to you next week. After a long hiatus, we're finally back, and there's actually NFL news dropping right on top of our heads as we're recording. Uh, I should probably introduce, it is the JV Show. We're back, Luke and I, returning to talk football, a little bit of basketball, but not a whole lot. But let's start right off the top. Jalen Hurts got paid. The full contract detail is getting $255 million dollars. 180 million guaranteed and 51 million on average. Probably, we'll probably get most of it. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I think they didn't have a choice, but I would have done it regardless. Yep, I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, they, Howie Roseman's so good with drafting. And he, he always goes the best player available route. So I think I have no doubt he'll be able to replace players like Lane Johnson or uh, Jason Kelsey coming up. So I think it's a good move, and it's definitely something that they had to do for their future. Agreed. I don't think this contract actually kicks in until next year because he was 2020. So this would be his fourth year. So I think they get one more year on his rookie contract. The Eagles have two first-round picks this year. I think they're going to be totally fine. And yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's like they should have done it. 
he was totally worth the money. And we'll talk about our top quarterbacks. I don't have him in my top five, but I think he's knocking on the door. Oh, yeah, and, I totally agree with that. And with, I mean, okay, we're recording this on April 17th. Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer, but I think even if he is still in Green Bay, I don't think he plays. I think Hurts will step onto the field as the best NFC quarterback. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, I don't think it is either. I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFC, but Hurts is the only one that you could consider having potential upside to be competing with uh, the top AFC quarterbacks. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and as um, uh, yeah, actually, I'm looking at my list right now, and he's the only he's the top NFC quarterback I have on my list. So a little bit of a spoiler alert for that, but yeah, Jalen Hurts got the bag as he should have. Um, I guess this is a nice transition. So a 2020 draft class cohort of his, the f- former. Third overall pick, Jeff Okuda, straight into the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth-round pick. I thought he was going to be really good, but whenever I see a cornerback drafted that high, I always think they're going to be good. I I don't know why. It's just kind of ingrained in my brain to be that way. He hasn't been terrible, but, like, it's a low-cost thing for the Falcons, so I, I don't hate it because, you know, the upside is that he ends up playing better than he has the last few years. But I, I don't know. I It sucks because he was hyped up. And I thought that, you know, given how good the Lions defense was looking at the end of the last year, that he was going to be a part of that. But not the case. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you with the point that, uh, usually when there's a corner draft in the top five, they always pan out pretty well. I think in recent memory, Sauce Gardner, Denzel Ward, Jalen Ramsey, just the list goes on and on with players that get a fat contract contract extension by the end of their rookie year and are huge cornerstone lockdown pieces for NFL defenses. So um, it's kind of unfortunate it didn't work out for Akuda because there was like a point last year where people were – really hyping him up and he was playing some good football until my guy DK Metcalf absolutely torched him for about a hundred yards. But, uh, but yeah, I I'm excited to see what he does with the Falcons. I think it's a good move. Uh, you get to pair him up with AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates and Richie Grant. I think they have one of the most slept on defenses this year when you really look at it on paper. And I don't think enough people are talking about how, the Atlanta Falcons are really a sleeper NFC team this year, and I think they're quietly just making moves to upgrade that defense. And they already have one of the best run games in the NFL, so I think it's a really good move for the the Falcons. That's a that's a great point that you just brought up. I think that if Akuda's not their best cornerback, he's their second or third best. I think that this is going to be one of the better secondaries in the league, and. Given that he won't be asked to guard the top receivers on the team, he's in that support role. You know, I think this could actually be a great return on investment for the Falcons. Again, it's low cost, much because he hasn't produced enough to warrant getting that massive cornerback contract that, like Ramsey got, or even like what Denzel Ward 
got and what Sauce Gardner most likely will get. I It's another reason why we both picked the Falcons to win the NFC South. And I'm not deterred by that from this move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for next season. I, I'm going to hammer the Falcons winning that division because I know their odds will not be as high as the Saints or the Panthers coming in the next year. No, especially with the Panthers getting the first overall pick, which it's looking like it's going to be Bryce Young. But as it always does when we got nothing else going on, there's always a new number one overall pick each week. So we'll see. Yep. It's it's coming next week. I'm excited for the draft. But there's two other things that I want to touch on quickly. One, Dan Snyder's out as a commander's owner. Cool, great. He's a terrible human being. I don't really know much about the new owner or the conglomerate that the new owner is heading up. I know he owns the Sixers and the hockey team. Sixers have been pretty good. So, I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Dan Snyder is a terrible person, so I'm glad he's gone. But I don't don't know if it's going to be all that much better. I mean, it can't be worse than what Snyder was. Yeah, I can't take too much away from the situation of the new owner other than that, thank God Dan Snyder's out out of the position and uh, he sold the team. And I feel like that's been in the news for so many years with all the scandals he's been a part of. And I'm just happy that that franchise could probably finally upgrade a stadium and, you know, just be a place where people want to play because the Commanders were a great franchise back in the 80s and 90s and it just feels like recently they just haven't been a good franchise at all. So we'll see if they could pick up with uh, their new owner. Agreed. The last bit of news that really happened in the NFL was Odell Beckham signed a one-year $15 million guaranteed with incentives up to $18 million to go to the Ravens. Now everyone is like, oh, this means Lamar is staying. This is an obvious, you know, coup for the Ravens to keep Lamar maybe for this year but like let's be honest is Odell really that big of a draw he's had multiple knee surgeries and I talked about pretty much all of last year when he was rumored to go to the Cowboys for like six weeks straight what's he gonna be like coming off another knee injury and I don't think it's enough for Lamar because at the end of the day Lamar still wants to get paid and now he's like, you guys paid Roquan Smith all that money for a position that is not emphasized much in the NFL anymore. And then you go and pay Odell Beckham this much money. One year, almost fully guaranteed. I, I think it's likelier that he stays on the franchise tag this year, but I still don't think they get a long-term deal done. Yeah, that the whole situation with the Ravens is totally whack. Like you said, I don't get why you pay Roquan Smith. Uh, I mean, you kind of have to after you trade all those assets for him. Right. Uh, but when you have a franchise quarterback like Lamar sitting there, you got to pay up. And now they go out and sign Odell, who hasn't played for years, coming off a knee injury. So who knows if – it just sounds like he's going to become part of the long list of failed receivers that have joined the Ravens recently. It just lines up that way. And I don't know if it's even like enough for Lamar to be happy or even want to play for the Ravens. So it's a muddy situation 
in Baltimore. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I I don't get what the Ravens are doing this offseason. I'm, I'm with you. It seems like they're going to try and be in the middle. Like, oh, we want to compete, but also we know we need to get more parts to try and get a champion together. And the rest of the AFC North is looking pretty solid. The Steelers are consistently mediocre, but they're still tough in the division. The Browns, who knows with Watson. And then the Bengals, I think, have been doing enough in the offseason to retool and to maintain the level of excellence they've had over the last two years. I, I will not be shocked if the Ravens have the least likely odds to win this division. And they probably should have the least likely odds to win the division as of right now. And then I don't think the draft is going to sway my opinion. Well, it'll sway my opinion if they draft a receiver because then it's like, okay, maybe they are going to try and go all in with Lamar this year. But if, you know, what if they end up drafting a quarterback then they, I don't know. It's all messy. We've talked about it ad nauseum. And with that, why don't we just transition right into the big crux of this podcast. I talked about it a few weeks ago, and then we were gone for a few weeks. The top quarterbacks in the league. We all love lists. We all love making lists. I had a good time making mine. I actually made a list for all 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. When I was on a plane, because I was that bored. We don't have to go through all of them. But I figured, why don't we just start at, do you have any honorable mentions? Because we were going to talk 12 through, 12 through 7 today. But did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to bring up before we get into yeah. the top 12? I'll, I'll give three honorable mentions. Um, I think my first two, I'm, I'm going to do a surprising one. I'm going to say Mac Jones. And I'm and to tie into that, I'm also going to say Russell Wilson because I think they're both in a similar situation where they got kind of screwed over by coaching last year. And, I mean, if you look at Mac Jones's track record from his rookie year with Josh McDaniels, I think when you bring in Bill O'Brien, he he's a pretty good pocket passer. And when you if you give him the right coaching – and receivers, I think he could play up to the potential of being a top 15 to 12 quarterback. So, and that also ties into Russ because, I mean, I, I do think part of it was Nathaniel Hackett and um, bad play calling around Russ's skill set. But if Sean Payton could get the most out of Russell Wilson, I think we're back to talking about Russ as the top 10 to 15 quarterback. So, I'd say those are my two honorable mentions coaching-wise to see if we they could turn it around this year. And then uh, my last honorable mention is going to be uh, – I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill because, I mean, I, I think Ryan Tannehill has way too many haters for no reason. But if you look at his track record since he's been in Tennessee, he's been exactly like Geno Smith, like one of the most efficient passers in the league, it's deadly accurate, and – his record with Tennessee is insane. I don't know the exact numbers, but every time he's playing quarterback for that team, all he does is win, and no one could deny that. And I think this last year with the ankle injury, it really affected Tennessee. But, you know, they once they had to like go to Malik Willis or Brian Tannehill was hurt, that's when that team really – it costed that team. And I think he could pick it up where he left off from the last three years with Tennessee. I don't disagree. I don't have him in my honorable mentions. 
Um, I honestly found the hardest part of this list was when I was doing all 32, the 11 through 20 range. I feel like I could mix this up in any order and it would seem logical. So I'll just go from the top. So at 20, I've got Wilson. 19, I've got Fields. And I've, I did this list based on a couple of factors. The predominant one being is that I am in charge of a contending team prime for the playoffs. We just need a quarterback to come in and complete this team. Uh, I also took health into consideration, uh, longevity, and then obviously what have they done for me recently. Uh, so I'm penalizing Russ hard for this past year, but I will not be shocked if he vaults up this list um, by the end of this year. And so 19, I have fields. I'm predicting a leap. I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know about fields yet. He was one of the tougher ones for me to rank. Uh, I've got Derek Carr 18 and the next, like next seven quarterbacks. I feel like you could put any of them in this order. So I've got Carr, then Tua. I just have Niners quarterback at 16. It's like, whatever quarterback they've put in has been mediocre at, at worst and at best. So if you plug in Jimmy G, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, uh, Sam Darnold, they're going to look good because this team is so good. So I have just generic Niners quarterback, whoever's playing for them at 16. At 15, I've got Geno, who I think after this year will probably move up a couple of spots, but I want to see at least one more year of consistently good play from him. But I think it speaks to how good he was last year that he's already at 15 on my list. And then at 14, I've got Goff. Kind of the same thing as Geno. He was really, really good last year. And he also had a couple of good years with the Rams as well. Uh, 13, I've got Stafford. Will he ever play again? I don't know. The last time we saw him play a full year, he won the Super Bowl. Much to my pain and misery, but... I'm still going to give him some credit for how good he was. And when he was getting traded, I was really high on him. I still think he's a really solid quarterback. The turnovers are a little much at times, especially when he's playing with the Rams. And I think he got a little too Cooper Cup heavy last year before he got injured. But, yeah, that's my 13 through 20. So it's Wilson, Fields, Carr, Tua, Niners quarterback, Geno, Jared Goff, and then Stafford at 13. Yeah, I could give my uh, 20 through 13 real quick, too. Because, um, I mean, Mac Jones, Russ, and Ryan Tannehill are not, like, right underneath. I, I just thought I'd shout them out because I think they could potentially have a great year next year and we'll be considering them in this list next year. But um, at 20, I have Derek Carr. At 19, I have Russ. At 18, I have Justin Fields. At 17, I have Matthew Stafford. At 16, I have Kyler Murray. At 15, I have Deshaun Watson. At 14, I have Tua. And then at 13, I have Ryan Tannehill. Okay. So this is interesting. All right, I'm not going to spoil my list, but there's a couple guys on that list that I have in my top 12, so I'm very excited to get to this. So why don't we kick it off? I'll go first. Number 12, Kirk Cousins. He is the predominant, like, borderline could be a great quarterback, but he's just, he's just Kirk Cousins. He is, he, 
the thing I will give him above all the other players above him is that at least he's consistent. And I thought he was good last year, but it was really the Justin Jefferson show and the corpse of Adam Thielen with a little bit of KJ Osborne sprinkled in there. Um, I thought that TJ Hawkinson was a good move for them. And it's, it does some other news we didn't talk about. Dalvin Cook's probably gone this year. If they can't trade him, they're probably just going to outright cut him. But one thing that I give Cousins over all these other guys is that he has been able to be on the field every single game. He doesn't miss games. And I think if I have to give him like an X factor, I'll give Cousins that nod. But he is, a, he is just woefully unremarkable. There's nothing special about him. There's also nothing absolutely awful about him. Yeah, I also have Kirk Cousins on my list a little later. Um, but I think one of the most underrated things about him is that I think the Vikings have one of the worst interior offensive lines in the league. And he he gets pressured so much from the interior, but he's super gutsy, just sits in there and delivers dimes. And I know he has Justin Jefferson to help him out a lot, but I think that's one of the most underrated parts of um, – Kirk Cousins' game is poised and throwing under pressure. So I, I think I like him at 12. Um, he's definitely around in that range. Uh, but, yeah, shout out to Kirk Cousins. He is – I think he's the best of these mediocre to mediocre to good quarterbacks. So who's your number 12? Uh, my number 12 is Dak Prescott. I okay. think he's – he, I mean, I'll, I'll spoil it. I mean, he's like right in the range of Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Dak Prescott. I think he's just one of those. He's a, the same quarterback as him as if like he's one of the best pocket passers in the league, but he's not going to thread the needle to be like a greater elite quarterback. And it, those are the types of quarterbacks that I – I don't know. Those type of quarterbacks are weird because they're always going to get a, a large paycheck, but at the same time, their play is not going to be to an elite level where I could see them winning a Super Bowl or anything just because their roster is not going to be that good around them. So it's just those those quarterbacks that get paid will be in the league for a long time. and uh, But, yeah, they're just great. Great slash good quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think it speaks to how deep the league is now that I can look at 1 through 20 and be like, you could probably, if you have a really great team around these quarterbacks, I mean 10 through 20, you could probably win a championship. I mean, we saw Peyton Manning be absolutely horrible. All right, there should be zero interruptions or I'll explode on someone. (laughs) God, I'm not kidding. When that happened yesterday and I got kicked out, I was like about to like flip out. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> All right. So where exactly did we leave off? So, so I know I... we were talking about Dak and then I made a comment about you don't need to be an excellent quarterback to um <clears throat> Uh, yeah. To win a Super Bowl, you just need a great team and then be semi-competent. Is that kind of where it was? Yeah, I think you left off. You're talking about Peyton Manning as an example. And I think you're like, uh, I think an example that's like Peyton Manning and then whoever it was walked into the room. Okay. 
So I guess we could just pick up. I'll just like create an interruption. Just be like, all right, cool. We were talking about Dak because you have Dak at twelve, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's my number. Okay, that's what I thought. So let's just pick it back. I'm gonna. I'm writing down the guys right now, so I don't forget mine. And I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like talking about Allen Robinson to the Steelers because that dude's been washed for the last like four years. But he had that one great year in Jacksonville, and so everyone's like, "Oh, he's actually kind of good," but no, yeah. I don't think he is. Honestly, didn't even know that happened. So that just speaks volumes of how big it is. It's the only alert I got on sleeper today. Okay. All right. Let's pick it back up. Let's do it right now. All right. So you have Dak at 12. I actually have him at 10. Nope. Nine. I don't even know my own list. For me, I think what elevates Dak above a couple of other guys that I have 10 through 12 is I think he's a really one of the better leaders in the NFL. I think now that Zeke is gone with his presence out, I think we're going to see that even more. And I'm choosing to believe that last year was an anomaly with regards to the interceptions because it was so egregious and so out of character for him that you almost have to think it is an anomaly and not the, and not who he has been because he hasn't been turnover prone at any point like this in his career. And I know we're not talking about what teams players are on specifically, but I think we're going to see with Brandon Cooks coming there. And granted, they did lose Schultz, but I think we're going to see a better Dak this year. You know, full season. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured again, and. He can run when absolutely necessary, and I think you need that in today's NFL. It's, I so I would take him over. I take him over anyone. I'm looking in my ten through twenty right now, and I think I take him over any of these guys because they either have just shortcomings with regards to how they play, or lack of leadership. For well, two of them is I'm speaking of specifically, but that's how I feel about Dak. I. I'm an unabashed Dak Prescott fan, even though I know he's not a elite quarterback. I think he's a really good to potentially great quarterback. Yeah, I can't hit on your take for that because, I mean, I, I think part of it, me putting him at 12 might be a little bias in eight. Um, but at the same time, I think he has become less of a dual threat over time. And – also, when I look at his career, like in his early years, I think part of what helped him out a lot was having getting put behind one of the best offensive lines we've ever seen in, what, the 2010s. So I, I, I think I, you I think, can make an argument it's the best offensive line we saw in the 2010s. I don't disagree with that. And Zeke had one of the most prolific rookie seasons of all time, which Dak benefited to greatly. Yeah, and I think I think part of me just putting him this low is I think I could see me putting other quarterbacks that I have ahead of him on those teams and performing a lot better. I don't think you're wrong. And I think if we get another playoff stinker like we did this past year, because 
you can't just say, oh, it was a really close game, nip and tuck, and then Tony, Tony Pollard went out, and then you thought that the Cowboys had no shot. Because a running back going out should not cause you to lose confidence like you would. But I would feel that about almost any of these other quarterbacks aside from the top eight. Or if a key offensive player went out, I would feel way worse about this team's chances of winning the playoff game. Because um, obviously the two games against San Francisco, you know, now that I think about it, both San Francisco games the last two years when it came down to the last drive and just some weird, weird stuff happened, weird play calling, poor clock management. I, I think that comes down to coaching as much as it is to how the quarterback played. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. When your coach is Mike McCarthy, maybe I shouldn't be as harsh because that guy, probably the worst clock manager. Uh, I, I guess Nathaniel Hack isn't a coach anymore. So, yeah, he's probably wor- the worst at clock management. It, there's a lot of factors that don't really – It's the quarterback position gets a lot of flack for no reason sometimes, and clock management is definitely one of those things. Agreed. I, I feel like only the absolute elite quarterbacks are able to – well, I mean, even with – we see Andy Reid have terrible clock management from time to time. Just when to use a timeout, when not to use a timeout. My, I feel like most coaches in the NFL have clock management. And I really think they should play some more Madden. But my number 12 is Geno Smith. And kind of like we what we were talking about, um, earlier about Gino, and I actually changed my mind on Gino. I was initially going to have him out of my top uh, 12, but I changed my mind because he played really well in 2021 when Russ was out. And then he exploded last year. He had 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, over 4,000 yards. I don't see a reason why he would regress, especially with this late this late in the career. I don't see this being a one-time thing. Like you don't have a season the that he had last year and then fall off the map the next year. Now if they draft a quarterback high at 5, I don't think they will. That obviously changes the perspective, but given what I've seen from him the last 2 years and if he plays as well as he does again, that rush trade is going to go down as one of the greatest trades of all time. And kind of like with Dak, I think Gino is a low-key good leader, and he knows when to use his legs. And shoot, I mean, his body's still relatively fresh because he hasn't started all that much. So if the Seahawks keep on this trajectory, he could be their quarterback for a few more years if need be, restructure the contract if they have to. But I've become a massive Geno fan over the last probably eight months. Oh, yeah. I I could spoil mine a little bit because I had Geno in the same range on my rankings. I actually put him at eight. A lot of it could be biased, but I think when you put his statistics this last year, granted, he doesn't have the longevity of these other guys, so you can't really compare them longevity-wise to – you know, hit or miss years. Um, But you look at his accuracy under pressure, um, just overall, 
he's one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. And I even put him over Trevor Lawrence from his performance this past year because I think you think you you really look at Geno's season. He was put behind an offensive line that started two rookie tackles for the first time in forever. He got pressured some of the most in the league, and he still performed the way that he did. I think based on his last season, I could I could call him better than any of these guys. Will he be better than Lawrence in, say, the next couple of years? Definitely not. I think Trevor Lawrence will be – he'll be a consensus top five quarterback uh, probably after this year. I mean, I, I don't think that's a hard take at all. Yeah. But I, I think Geno is definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the league and definitely top ten in my opinion. The only reason why I kept him out of my top ten was purely because he's only had one excellent year and then like a quarter of a good season in 21. But, again, if he plays great again this year and it doesn't look like he missed a step, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be a top 10 quarterback, especially for what he's getting paid. He's getting paid nothing compared to what we saw Jalen Hurts get. And let's be honest, the Eagles are a far more talented team than the Seahawks were last year, despite the fact that the Seahawks have had one of the best rookie classes of recent memory. So that's Gino. Who do you have at 11? At 11, I had Jared Goff. Um, okay. I had I him think, at 15 on mine. Yeah, I think Jared Goff is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks last year. I think – I forget his specific stats, but I know he threw some of the least amount of interceptions last year. And, I mean, he he's been a good quarterback both in L.A., and in Detroit. And I think that's some, for some reason, people kind of put him down for no reason. I mean, we're talking about a quarterback that's been to a Super Bowl, has had a lot of success in this league, has been considered for an MVP one year. He's had pretty good longevity. I think we really forget about his glory days when he was on the Rams. And I think because he's kind of in a smaller market right now in Detroit, we don't really put gratification for how good he was last year. And, um, I think because of his success, I'd put him one spot over Dak Prescott because Dak's never had the – I mean, he played good against Tampa Bay this year, but he's never had the playoff success or um, or has been in, I guess, MVP conversations ever. So, um, yeah, I have J- Jared Goff at number 11. I don't disagree, and I'm looking at his stats over the last few years. So he had the terrible rookie season where he only played seven games. He lost every single one of those games. And then he had the two, the first two years with McVay, he had 28 and 32 touchdowns in 17 and 18, respectively. Only through 19 interceptions in those two years. But then I think where the narrative started to shift on him was 2019 through 21 wasn't amazing. But I think back on those Rams teams for 19, 20, and 21, because that was after Gurley started to trail off. That was before Cooper Cup really came into prominence. I think one of those years they had Sammy Watkins as one of their top two wide receivers. Um, Robert Woods wasn't quite the Robert Woods that he would eventually become. 
I, I think the issue with golf was that everyone always thought he was a product of the system and players around him more than the the player himself. And I think last year was it's tough. It's tough to disassociate because football is such a team sport, and we I feel like we don't do this for every single player, but we do it for golf for whatever reason that he will I don't think he will ever get if the Lions go let's say they go 11 and 6 this year make it to the divisional round and then lose to whoever or even make it to the championship even if they win the Super Bowl Goff will be loved in Detroit but I don't think anyone will ever think Goff is a top 5 quarterback because I think everyone considers McVay to be one of the best coaches in the NFL and the Lions to be, especially on offense, one of the deepest in terms of skill position players out there that I don't think he'll ever get the credit that he probably deserves, but it's no fault to him. I I, I do think that he's one of the upper quarterbacks in that like kind of mid range. Um, Looking at my list, I, I think I would probably put him over Matt Stafford. I think him and Kirk Cousins are as comparable as as they as any quarterbacks could be. I think you're I think you're gonna get mostly the same experience if you have either of those guys on your team. Where they're good, not great. They won't kill you, but they won't ever elevate the team around them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I I really do agree with your statement because you look at Jared Goff's teams where he's had success. I mean, the Lions offensive line this past year has been one of the best. So I can't really, I guess, put him over Dak in some ways because, you know, Jared Goff has had that stud team around him uh, just like Dak Prescott has. But you're totally right. And he's definitely in that tier of Kirk Cousins. I mean, at spoiler alert, I have Kirk Cousins next. I think those three quarterbacks are kind of in the same tier. It's like a, pocket passer veteran that's that you could win a Super Bowl with, but you got to have talent around them to win. Agreed. Why don't we just talk about Kirk Cousins right now? Because I basically everything I just said about golf, I'd say the same thing about Cousins. He's good, not great. I mean, kind of already talked about him, but I feel the same way about Kirk Cousins as I do golf. You know, they're pretty reliable. They don't get injured very often, but they're nothing special. But that that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. So my number 11, and I feel gross about this. I'm giving this person the benefit of the doubt for being terrible last year. I have Deshaun Watson at 11. This was probably the hardest one to rank because I want to rank him dead last. I'm not getting into the off-field stuff, but – when he came back last year, he got better towards the end of the season, but he was still really rusty and bad. And his last season that he played, while statistically he had an amazing season, the Texans went 4-12 and that year. I'm going to give the Cleveland organization some credits. I think they have a really solid team. And if Watson does come back and play, he was a top-five quarterback before all of the shenanigans so this is a little bit of kind of what you've done for me lately by penalizing him out of the top 10 but also giving him credit 
for how at least statistically good he was prior to getting suspended and then demanding a trade. Again, I feel terrible about this. I hope he's terrible. I hope he's terrible for the rest of his career. But I, I this is more like a, maybe I'm like trying to jinx him, ranking him at 11th, and then he turns out to be terrible because I won't. I won't feel bad about myself for getting this pick wrong. Is I guess what I'll say. Mm. Yeah, I have Deshaun Watson at number fifteen, especially just because I, I think I'm just going to factor in that he just hasn't played for a while, and then when he was trying to get the rust off last year, he didn't look too great. But I I'd consider him if we disregard that, he'd probably be in the same tier as Jalen Hurts. I think those two guys are very similar players, although I do think Jalen Hurts is a lot stronger runner than Deshaun Watson, but they're both guys that, you know, when they have the ball in their hand, they can improvise and just create some magic and um, really elevate a team. So I, I, I can't complain with Deshaun Watson being that high. Um, I, I think I just docked it more for just not playing for a while. So, and it's just a huge question mark for if he could, go back to how he was when he was in Houston. Yeah. And I don't see, I don't see a path for him to make it into my top eight. I think that he'll probably stay around. I think at best he could probably get to number nine on my list ahead of Dak, but who's the next person on your list after Kirk Cousins? Yeah, so 12 was Dak, 11 was Jared Goff, 10 was Kirk Cousins. At 9, I have Trevor Lawrence. And I, I'm a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. I There's no doubt in my mind that he'll probably be in the top five after this year. But there's just so many games where Trevor Lawrence would make boneheaded errors that I, I just can't put him up on in the top five. Like, yeah, he has the – He's basically like a quarterback you create in Madden. He's got the athleticism. He's got the height. He's got the arm. But, I mean, you look at the him in the playoffs against the Chargers. He threw, although some of them weren't his fault, like that first half was dreadful. And you've seen little sprinkles of that Trevor Lawrence, what are you doing throughout the whole year? And I just need to see more consistency from him because um, I saw – too much sloppy play from him this last year, I think, to uh, put him high up on the list. But he's got one year under Doug Peterson. Uh, he's going into his third year. He's going to have Calvin Ridley, um, probably the best set of weapons that he'll have. Uh, I expect him to be in the top five this year, but I think for now I'm just going to put him at nine just because he, he makes too many mistakes, I feel like, at this stage in his career. So I I am basically predicting that he'll have it. I have him at seven. Kind of for all the reasons that you just suggested, but the reason why I don't have him in my top six is because of the turnovers. He had eight interceptions, which, I mean, I think you'll take that. Um, that wasn't bad, but he had nine. He had 12 fumbles, but he lost nine of them. That was the more concerning part to me is that it, the interceptions I can forgive because, I mean, he cut his interceptions in half, but he doubled his fumbles lost this year. So that's the number I'm going to be looking to the most because I think with the receiving core that they're going to have this year, I think his passing stats are going to look really, really good. 
and he gives you just enough on the ground. He reminds me a little bit of Andrew Luck, where he's not a runner. We would never designate him as that, but he's really athletic, especially around the goal line. I think they're going to look to use him a lot, especially because Travis Etienne isn't the biggest running back, and anyone behind him just isn't that great of a running back. But the thing that I want him to improve the most on in this coming year is controlling the ball and not fumbling it. And if he can do that, I think he will be in the top five. I don't know who he would unseat right now in my top five, but I don't think it's an insane argument if someone has him there right now because you go from the clown show that was his rookie year to this past year, and it really is night and day. The yards are comparable, but he doubled his touchdowns. Uh, He cut his interceptions in half. He had three more rushing touchdowns, took less sacks, and then he had the more fumbles. I really, really am looking forward to seeing how the Jags look this year with Trevor Lawrence in. I mean, obviously it's his third year in the league, but it really does feel like it's his second year because I don't think anyone took his rookie year seriously. I have Lawrence at seven. I'm expecting big things from him this year, and anything less that will be a colossal disappointment. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so excited to watch him this year, and the fumbles is a huge point because I remember watching so many games early in the year, like against where I've bet on the Jags. Like I, I, I could recall him against the Texans early in the year and against the Eagles where they had – like they would drive the ball into the red zone almost every possession and then just end in a fumble or turnover. So if Trevor Lawrence could finish those drives this upcoming year, there's no doubt in my mind he'll, he'll be one of the top five, if not top three quarterback in the league, which is really hard to do with all the talent that we have these days. Right. I don't think our top six quarterbacks, six, seven quarterbacks are going to be that different. I think it's just going to be the order that'll be interesting. Um, my number 10, much like my previous, like 10 and 11 were the hardest to pick for me because I don't love this player's character. I don't think they're a bad person by any means, but, uh, there's, they almost seem like a child, both in, um, attitude and then stature. Cause I have Kyler Murray at 10. Obviously he's not going to play this year. Um, he tore his ACL late November, I think, and it was pretty bad last year. But I'm doing my best to separate the team from the player because when we did see Kyler in his uh, – had it been his sophomore year, yeah, he was really good and considered one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, so his second year, he had 26 touchdowns throwing and then 11 rushing touchdowns. He had almost 5,000 passing and uh, rushing yards. It's just, it's the height thing that I can't get over. But setting that aside, I think if you put him on a team like, I don't know, the Eagles, would they be that much different with Kyler Murray than Jalen Hurts? I think, and we'll talk about Hurts in a few minutes. The issue that I take with Kyler is that it's the physical attributes I think are all there aside from the height, which can't fix that. I think he's really good at avoiding the big hits, but his injuries have always been the, like the, you know, you you don't need to get tackled for that to go on the wayside. 
But with the Cardinals being one of the most dysfunctional teams in the league, being just depleted of talent, just bad offensive lines, the receiving core, it's really been DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't have Hollywood Brown for – or they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins for most of the season that Kyler played last year. So you didn't get to see what him and Hollywood Brown would look like. But, yeah, Kyler would be higher for me if he had the leadership qualities of Dak and Hurts, who I have right above him. But the physical attributes are there. He's an excellent runner. I think he's a really good passer, but he lacks in height and, I think, maturity. And I'm hoping that this injury and time away will improve that. We'll see. Um, but he and Watson were the hardest for me to rank. And I try to be as objective as possible because I don't love Kyler, uh, the person, at least as it seems from what we've all been able to look at and observe. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you have to say. I'm I'm not mad at Kyler Murray at 10. I personally have him grouped with Deshaun Watson at uh, 15 and 16. But, I mean, when the guy is on the field he and he's healthy, he's 100% always going to be in the MVP conversation. I mean, as a Seahawks fan, it's always annoying watching us play him because he just run, runs around with his little short strides and just outruns everyone and – gets so many first downs and he's got such an underrated arm. Um, he truly is a really good quarterback. I just, I think I dock him because the durability is never there. I, I swear it's hit or miss every week, whether or not Kyler will play. And also his leadership qualities are not that good. Um, so I totally agree with what you had to say about him. Like if I'm just evaluating him as a quarterback, he's, truly one of the best talents in the league, but I think I just dock him just because I, I guess you could say the same for Lamar Jackson, but you could, I, I I'm just going to dock him because he cannot stay healthy for a full season. And I just don't like how he is as a leader. And I, maybe I'm docking him too much because I also don't like the guy, but um, yeah, I have Kyler Murray at 16. But I think I think I think the person does matter because what what do we see with all of these great quarterbacks? I mean, spoiler: I have Aaron Rodgers ahead of Kyler Murray, and everyone likes to think that he's a bad leader and whatnot. But I don't think he actually is. I think that's more of a I think that's just more of a he doesn't like the media, so the media doesn't like him narrative. But every other quarterback that I'm looking at in my top nine, they for all intents and purposes, they're all good to really great leaders. And that's an important part because when you're the quarterback, you're the face of the franchise. You are supposed to be the vocal leader. Some of these teams do have outspoken uh, defensive players who rally the team, which is fine. But you need to have the quarterback be the the true leader in the face because that's just what they are. It's the most popular position for a reason. And if you aren't that, I think it's totally okay to dock you regardless of how good you are on the field. You know, it's the same thing with Watson. You know, if Watson really did do what he was accused of, I mean, well, he shouldn't be playing football, but like, I'd absolutely dock him. Like, I'm not going to follow someone who has 66 cases against him. I don't care if he's vindicated in the eyes of the court at all. It's always going to feel weird. Um, so I had Kyler Murray at 10. You have him at, you at 16? Yeah, I had him at 16. 
I think either of those rankings are totally fine. Uh, I don't expect them to play very much this year. I think the Cardinals are going to tank, and they'll be. I'll be very curious to see if they get the first overall pick next year. Do they take Chase Young and trade Kyler? Because I think if they do trade Kyler, I think a team will be getting a decent deal because they're not going to get like they're not going to get a rust deal. I, I think it'd be more likely they'd probably get a first and then maybe a second, especially with the contract. Um, but I don't think we've seen the last of Kyler as a good quarterback on the field. And I hope that his time away will, and if he can ever get the maturity part, I don't want to have much complaints about him. Yeah. I almost wonder if, you know, I, I see the media almost making painting Kyler as a bad person like Aaron Rodgers. Cause I always had that same stigma for Aaron Rodgers until, you know, I saw his interviews on the Pat McAfee show and you get to see the real person, you start to get to like the character. So I almost wonder if a lot of it's the way the media portrays him, but, um, but yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where the Cardinals go this, this season. I, I think it's not even debatable that they'll have a top five pick going into the next year. They're just a depleted roster. And I mean, so asked demanded a trade. So that defense is probably going to be one of the worst defenses we've ever seen, I think in recent memory. And I find it funny that um, Jonathan Gannon is <laughs> got hired to be their coach and he's just going to have no one to work with compared to that Eagles defense. So it's definitely going to be a rough year out in Arizona, but yeah, we'll see. They'll have, they'll have a lot of options of where to go. And especially if they get that number one overall pick, why not take a stab at Caleb Williams and trade Kyler Murray for more assets? I think that'd be a good move for them. Yeah. For the timeline of the Cardinals, Kyler doesn't work for them because he's on that contract. He's getting paid big bucks now. Uh, the Cardinals are not a competitive team in the slightest. I, if I'm Kyler, I don't want to be a part of that. So, yeah, I mean that's that's Kyler. Um, he's a guy that he's got all the talent in the world, and like I said, even with his height, he's able to avoid serious injuries in terms of getting hit. Uh, it's just it's all of the other little ticky tack injuries that he's taken, and then finally blew out his knee. So hopefully he gets a speed of recovery. Hopefully we get to see him because I do enjoy watching him play. It's like a kid running around adults, and the adults can never catch him. Who who do you have next? I only have one player left. Uh, in my 12 through 8, I just have Geno Smith left, who we've already talked about or mentioned. I, I know it's debatable to have him over someone like Trevor Lawrence, but I, I'm just going off of last year and bias. Um, who do you have at 7? Seven? 7, I have Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. So he's still on the Packers. I, I, I'm going to assume something happens by next week with the draft incoming. But if it doesn't, then we could be talking in June or July and he's still not traded. So we're both going off the assumption that he's on the Jets because I have him at five. Yeah, that that's a good spot for him. I, I think Aaron Rodgers, for no reason, I think just because it's like the first time the Packers weren't in the playoffs, everyone's docking them down. But can you really blame Aaron Rodgers for having a slight regression when 
their GM gives them absolutely no one in the draft. You draft Quay Walker for your first pick in the draft. Where you could, I mean, they got Christian Watson, who took about half a season to break out, but you can't give your star quarterback a new contract and then just not give them any weapons or anything to work with. And, and it's not like they didn't have cap space to work with either. Yeah, exactly. They could have re-signed Devontae. I know part of Devontae's reasoning was because uh, he wanted to play Derek Carr, but you could have easily replaced him with so many people on the market. And I, I, I just can't dock Aaron Rodgers for having a regression when your GM just gives you no help. And you still look at the arm talent. You look at his efficiency metrics. Like he's, you could argue that he's the greatest quarterback of all time when you really look at his statistics. And yeah, he doesn't have the rings or whatever. I think rings are more of a team stat. But if you really look at the metrics, you could really debate that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. And just because he had a down year, I'm not going to, and he's getting a little older, I'm not going to dock him down too much. So that's why I have him at seven. That's that's what I've been looking at. I look at the Packers team as a whole, and we saw a regression from A.J. Dillon, who I expected to make a giant leap forward. The Packers offensive line was hit with injuries throughout the year, so it was an inconsistent line at best. And like you said, he had he lost Marquez, who, while isn't a good receiver, he's a necessary receiver, and we saw him come up big for the Chiefs in the playoffs because the Packers had absolutely nobody that scared the defense until Christian Watson came onto the scene halfway through the year. But prior to that, Alan Lazard, he's a totally fine receiver, but he's not someone that teams are going to look at to try and eliminate. They don't really care. Same thing with Robert Tunyon, Randall Cobb. Who cares? They had little to no one that was scary on the outside. I would say they had no one that was scary on the outside. And then Christian Watson, after he broke out, ended up getting hurt. What I will hold against Rodgers is that there were times where he was just completely off target on receivers who were wide open. I remember the Dolphins and one of the Lions games specifically where he had a guy wide open and just completely missed him. And they, and those are throws that Rodgers routinely makes. So, again, it could have just been a whole – I don't believe that he's regressed because of age because he didn't start for the first three years of his career. So, yeah, he's 38, 39, but he's really got the body of like a 34, 35-year-old. So I don't think – I don't believe that if the – Jets deal goes through with him that he will continue this play that he had last year. I think that if he does get on the Jets, they have a decent enough offensive line. They've got to make something happen. Granted, they did lose. Well, Elijah Moore went to the Browns, I think. But Brees Hall, if he comes back, is one of the best running backs in the league. Michael Carter is a totally fine. I almost see him kind of like an A.J. Dillon level running back where they're just kind of they're good. They could be great at times. It could be great for a game, but won't be consistently good. And then that defense, I think, will provide opportunities for the offense to get the ball more. And while that that um, that division will be hard, I think that the Jets, if they get Rodgers, will have the best overall team in that division. And 
I feel very comfortable taking them to win the division because of Rodgers. He is still, in my opinion, and I agree. I think if we're talking in terms of pure talent, one of, if not the best quarterback we've ever seen. I absolutely hate that we use the rings argument as a point for and against specific players in the NFL. If you want to do that in the NBA, I think that's a totally fine argument because there's five guys on the court at a time opposed to 11 on offense and 11 on defense for football. There's way too many factors to use that as an argument for or against a player. And I've moved it against that when talking about the best quarterbacks of all time, because if you're going to do that argument, then it's Brady and there's absolutely no one else that's close to him. Like the next closest person is Montana and freaking Terry Bradshaw. Does anyone think Terry Bradshaw is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? The dude had a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. I get it. It was a different time. But look at what Bart Starr and Roger Staubach did in, in that time period. Like, give me a break. Rogers, I'm putting my stamp on this. Like, he's going to be one of my hot takes of the year that he'll be back in MVP contention this year. That's not a hot take at all. And um, I honestly, next year, I'm just really excited to see what happens in the AFC North and the AFC East. I think all four teams in those two divisions, you can make an argument for anyone that they will win that division. and But I, I'm totally with you on the train that I think the Jets will win that division if Rodgers goes there. Um, and I, he'll he'll definitely be in the MVP conversation. I mean, they'll have a bunch of key pieces on the O-line come back. Brees Hall will come back. Garrett Wilson will hit his uh, sophomore stride. I think, I think he's got more enough talent to repeat um, another MVP season, so – uh, yeah, hopefully the trade goes down soon because I feel like we've been talking about that for way too long. But uh, hopefully it'll make draft night exciting if it happens on draft night. The stories that never go away, Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, they refuse to die. And I'm just so sick of talking about them. So the last guy that I have on my list that we haven't talked about, I have Jalen Hurts at number eight on my list. So I have Geno at 12, Watson at 11, Murray at 10, Prescott at nine, and then I have Lawrence at seven, but I have Jalen Hurts at eight. And I think some people will look at that and think, how is he not a top five quarterback? Kind of like the Geno Smith argument. Uh, Jalen had a really good sophomore year. And then an excellent year last year. But removing the player from the team situation, I don't know if there was a player that had a better overall team around him than Hertz did last year. And while I don't think that should be held against them, when we're nitpicking these top quarterbacks, it is a factor for me. Because when I look at the Chiefs, do I think the Chiefs would be anywhere near as good without Mahomes? I do not. I think the same thing about Burrow. Uh, I definitely think the same thing about Josh Allen. Uh, same thing with Justin Herbert. Uh, Rogers, obviously different story because they were bad last year. Um, Lamar Jackson, same thing. I think if you put, I think if you put Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Geno, Kirk Cousins on the Eagles, I'm not saying they're going to be the number one overall. Since I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl, but. I don't think that that team would be anything less than a double-digit win 
and make at least a divisional round. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility with how stacked that Eagles team was. They had arguably the best offensive line. They had two, not just good, but excellent wide receivers. Dallas Goddard, one of the most underrated skill position players in the NFL. The running game, while there isn't a star running back, they're relatively deep at the position, at least as of last year. Granted, Miles Sanders is now gone. But um, they had Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, good enough running backs to help get the offense going. And then obviously the defense was stacked at every position. All that to say, Hurts still, I think, is the eighth best quarterback in the NFL. For his play, he is one of the better throwers in the, in the game, overshadowed by how good of a runner he is. And it's funny because he's not necessarily a burner, but we'll see games where he rushes like 15 times for 55 yards. He's just really powerful. And while we haven't seen the wedge play get banned yet, I think that probably will happen. It's one of probably the most unstoppable play in the league. Um, And then I really want to highlight his leadership because he seems like he's one of the best leaders in the league. But I think – I think my one through eight, if you have this player as your quarterback, you can't go wrong. I think this is really where the elite quarterbacks start, at least for me. And Lawrence, I'm predicting that he'll become an elite quarterback this year. But my one through eight is borderline elite, and it starts with Hurts. And if you have these quarterbacks in any position – you're not going to hear an argument from me, but Hurts to me, he's just on the bottom of my elite tier of quarterbacks. Yeah, you're totally not wrong about Hurts. Uh, we'll have to wait and see where he is on the next podcast on my list. But uh, but yeah, you, you hit the hammer on the nail when uh, he's got way too much talent around him that if you put any, honestly any of the top 20 quarterbacks in the league on the Eagles, I don't think they I think they performed just how Hertz did. So it, it's not a hot take to dock him down that much because I mean, yeah, he's a master at running the RPO game and he's a perfect fit in Sirianni's offense. But when you have that talent around you, it's really easy to look good. And give credit to Hertz. He did has made massive improvements from uh at least his rookie year and his uh sophomore year where, you know, he was playing the Tampa Bay Bucks in the playoffs, and he looked like the most inept quarterback I've ever seen in the playoffs. He's made huge yeah. strides since then. But I think you could – you could. there's way more talent at quarterback in the league than Jalen Hurts, and I don't think it's a hot take at all to put him at eight. No, and again, if we're talking at the end of this year, I won't be shocked if Hurts – has vaulted into the top five for whatever reason. Because I think if Herbert has another disappointing campaign with the Chargers, while I won't hold it against him, because I think the Chargers themselves are just an incredibly inept organization, I think you're going to see more more and more people turn against him. And if Rodgers does fall off further, you know, uh, he probably won't be in my top five. If Lamar even plays this year, we'll see how that pans out. But I could see like those three players getting leapfrogged by Hertz. That's not a crazy take. But that is where we will leave it off. We'll talk about the top six quarterbacks that we have. 
Because I think while the players will be relatively the same, except for one, the order I think will be fascinating to hear. Uh, that will be coming next week. We are back. We'll be talking a little bit about the draft, but I'm no draft analyst or predictor, so I don't have a whole lot to say about that. We'll definitely recap it when it happens. Real quick before we get out, the NBA playoffs have started. Do you have a finals prediction? Because mine's already gotten shot to hell with Giannis going down in game one. Hopefully he'll be back. But as of right now, my finals pick is in shambles. I don't know if it's a surprising take, but I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Because when you get Kawhi in the playoff, he's different, bro. He is different. And... uh, I mean, Russ, even him too, I feel like with both him and Kawhi on the court, they both kind of – I feel like Kawhi almost elevates Russ to play a lot better defensively. And um, he brings fire in the postseason that, you know – I mean, it's been proven over time. He's, what, a two- or three-time finals MVP. He's already won three greens. I – I just feel like we finally get healthy Kawhi. He's experienced in this situation. I say they take down the Suns this round. I, I think they carry that fire all the way into the into the uh, finals. And at least for my – who I think is going to win the Eastern Conference, I'm just going to go with the meme that another Philadelphia team loses a championship. Uh, uh, okay. So I don't think that's an absolutely insane take. Because I, the way the Clippers played on Sunday, even with Russ shooting three of nineteen, was so bad. He somehow ended up being the most impactful player on the court. Just the energy that he brought on defense, coupled with the fact that the Suns haven't played a whole lot together. Durant's only played, I think, eight games total with the Suns, and outside of Booker and Durant, and I guess you could throw DeAndre Ayton in there. Like, Chris Paul's old. He was bad on Sunday. Everyone had the Suns pegged to win the West. I never felt that strong. My fear is that it's going to be the list. This conference is just, it's lining up perfectly for them. So I think the only real opposition opposition that they would have is the Clippers. Because I don't think the Nuggets have any answer for AD if he is playing like Anthony Davis and same thing for LeBron, if LeBron decides to just be LeBron from five years ago, I, I, I would love to see the Clippers. Honestly, I think that would be absolutely hysterical and be chaos in an already insane Western conference at this point. But my, pr- my prediction before the season began was Mavericks and Bucks. And well, one team didn't even make the playoffs and the other one, is currently missing their best player with no clue on when he'll be back, if at all. Doesn't look like he's going to play tomorrow. So I'm going to stick with the Bucks for now. But I, I don't know. The, the freaking heat just coming out of nowhere to knock them out would just be terrible for my, my pick. But for the West, I'm just going to take the Lakers. I hate it, but. I think that's I think that's what it's going to be. I don't hate LeBron like a lot of people do. I've actually, I've actually kind of turned a corner with LeBron, kind of like what I did with Brady, where he's been playing for so long now. I kind of want to see how much longer he can take it. But I just I don't like the Laker fans that much. 
either and seeing them miserable would make me happy. But I, I do think that given that they're going to have a cakewalk through the Memphis series, now that Jaws probably gone for the rest of the series, they don't have an answer for the Lakers. And then they'll probably play either the Suns or the Kings, uh, given that the Kings are already 2-0. and I think it's going to be Lakers-Bucks. I hope that it's Bucks because I love Giannis. But that's what I'm going with right now. I don't think the Nuggets are going to beat – I don't think the Nuggets can beat the Lakers. Yeah, that's a good take. Uh, I mean, me, as – I'm a big LeBron fan, especially because my family's from Cleveland. I think just growing up, I've always loved LeBron. Even even when he went to the Heat, I know there's a little distaste in Cleveland, but I still like LeBron through that just because he is such a polarizing player. And I love LeBron, but I just can't stand Laker fans. I mean, I barely pay attention to the NBA in the regular season. And I swear the only things I see are, like, Laker fans just ranting on Twitter about random stuff, and it just pisses me off. So I feel like it'd be my – it'd be awesome to see LeBron in another finals, but – I just I, I don't know if I can stand Laker fans bragging about it and everything. Well, you and me both, and given how bad my predictions are, the Lakers definitely won't be making the championship now that I've picked them. So I I don't know, but I think what we'll do we can might do either later this week or sometime next week we can do a full NBA podcast because I do love talking about the NBA. I've loved the playoffs so far. It's been a great great playoff so far. So. I think that's what we'll do, but uh, next week we'll be talking about the top six quarterbacks, and I think that'll go relatively fast because we don't have a whole lot to say other than they're great and excellent, so I think next week we'll talk more NBA, Um, and then the draft will be next week, so we'll talk about that in two weeks, but with that, we're happy to be back. Sorry for being gone for three weeks, but we'll look to keep a Keep it regular from here on out. We'll be taking a break over the summer when there isn't a whole lot going on, especially once the NBA playoffs wrap. But that'll be like July time. So that's forever from now. But until next week, we'll see you guys later.